This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. About 24 hours after our last one, where Adam Jones and Dave Prentice dissected the goalless made side derby draw against Liverpool at Goodison Park. We're joined by one extra today, Gav Buckland. Gav, how are things? Fine, thanks, Alex. Sam, fine. You were uh, the restrictions lifted a little bit today. Pubs back open, July the fourth. We all we all happy with that. Get me a haircut. Get me a haircut more than the pub. That's all. That's all I care about at this point. Well, I'm due to get me a haircut on July the sixth. You've got to actually make appointments for these things. But I will definitely be going to the pub. Long haired. That won't be a problem. Do <laughs> you uh, run your name down on the waiting list at the Freshfield, Dave? Uh, I don't have to have a waiting list. I just, uh, you know, present myself. <laughs> yeah, he just goes to the front of the queue. VIP, isn't he? <laughs> don't you know who I am? <laughs> well, two podcasts in two days. It's, it's because of this new Premier League return and, and fixtures coming thick and fast for the Blues. Uh, Adam, we'll, we'll start with you. You tuned into Carlo Ancelotti's Zoom press conference to, to look ahead to Norwich, and he, he said it's probably going to be the same squad. Uh, as the one that turned out against Liverpool. We're still missing Delph, Mina and Sidibe, uh, but he, he is hopeful that they're back for the next game. Uh, line-up changes then? Would you expect the same 11 if it's the same squad, or do you think we're going to see a few a few differences? I can't help but still think that we're going to see a few differences just because, especially towards the end of the second half, on Sunday you could see a lot of players were getting pretty tired, pretty leggy. Uh like Carlo quite obviously didn't want to just change the uh, the organisation and the structure that the team had, so he didn't want to uh, make too many substitutions in that game. Uh, but I think like it, that will have an effect when it comes to this Nordic game. I think the one that I picked out in yesterday's podcast was Andre Gomez. I think he started to look pretty tired as the game went on. So to me, I'd be maybe a little bit surprised if he was to start this game. I'd maybe... I think he kind of lifts out and Gilfie Sigurdsson uh, goes in there quite comfortably. Uh, Bernard, maybe do you throw him in instead of one of either Gordon or the Uh Obviously, we've got Moyes Keane as well who could come in and really uh, make a name for himself up front as well. Uh, so I, I think we probably will see uh, a few changes because Carlo uh, mentioned in his press conference today that he was worried about how uh, the physical aspect would change uh, for Everton against Norwich, you know, obviously we went in with a very good sort of physical shape and uh, structure against Liverpool, but that'll be very different and very uh, difficult to recreate against Norwich because of, you know, the close proximity of the two games. So, yeah, I, I can't help but see, you know, maybe maybe two or three changes, maybe not wholesale changes, obviously, because we, I, I don't think we can afford them with this kind of size of squad that we've got. But yeah. uh, two or three changes, I think, would... Uh, probably sit right with me. Preno, you kind of just discussed it yesterday, and Gilfie Sigurdsson did seem to have a, a bit of an impact when he came on uh, at the against Liverpool at the weekend. Do you, do you expect to see to see Gilfie come back into that starting lineup? I do, and I expect to see Bernard starting as well. Um, yeah. re- reason being that it's a very quick turnaround for Everton. You know, Sunday or Sunday evening, Everton played, and the player again at Wednesday tea time. Uh, having played a match which was very intense uh, emotionally as well as physically, 
Uh, Norwich, admittedly, they were awful last time they played, but they've had a full 48 hours longer than ever in which to prepare. I think it was a, it was a Friday they played last. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that makes a big difference. And then, of course, we're looking at the weather. I know we've been having all these uh, drinks breaks, which have been completely unnecessary at the moment. But it sounds like, the, it sounds like they will be very necessary uh, tomorrow evening. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at 30 degrees, possibly, uh, for the temperatures, you know, so down in East Anglia. So, you know, it all means, uh, you know, it's... I wouldn't say working towards, you know, some Norwich's favour, but there's plenty of things that will help them and hinder Everton. So I think um, Carlo will have to freshen up his starting line as much as he possibly can. You look at Man City last night, eight changes they made to their starting lineup. OK, they play again on Thursday, but, you know, these things have got to be taken into account. And so, yeah, I'd like to think that Carlo will freshen it up as much as he possibly can. The downside, of course, is that we haven't got that many personnel in which to do that. So, you know, so Gilfie and Bernard are the obvious ones. Moise Keane maybe is the other one as well. Uh, but, yeah, there aren't many things you can do. So we're going to have to rely heavily on the players to, you know, certainly start as well as they can and try and give us, you know, a good hour as best they can. Fingers crossed that will be enough then uh, to have won the game. Because, as I say, Norwich have been poor in the game that they played. But, you know, they're still making the right noises. They're still desperate to try and keep hold of their Premier League status. So uh, yeah, lots to uh, lots to bear in mind on this one. Go on then, Gav. Put your put your football manager hat on and give us our give us your starting eleven for, for tomorrow. Do you agree with Preno? Do you think there's going to be a few changes, or are you are you sticking with Anthony Gordon and Alex Awobi out there? What's, what's football manager by the way? I'm 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 the Sabuto generation, uh, Sam. Have you not been I get what the man is saying. I, I, I think there's footballing reasons to bring Sigurdsson, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Uh, and Bernard, on, on Sunday, he, was, he set the team out to play play deep, you know, to counter Liverpool. Um, he's maybe got to go for a little bit more on Wednesday and therefore I think we can be a bit more attacking in our in our lineup. So that all points to, um, I think, Gilfie instead of Andre and Bernard on the, on the left. Um, on the right will be interesting. I don't think there's any real, real alternative to Ruby at this stage, and I think he'll keep keep the defence as it is and keep keep um, Carver Lewin and Richarlison up front. So I'm with the lads. I think you know minimum two changes, but I think that that's up, that'll be what it will be. And Adam, he, he spoke in his press conference, Carlo Ancelotti, about, you know, we, we're going from playing top of the league on Sunday to, to rock bottom of the league uh, on Wednesday. And Carlo did, you know, admit it's a totally different challenge and the motivation for Norwich is, is totally different to the one Liverpool had. And in turn, means Everton. Everton's motivation is, is slightly different as well. Do you, do you expect to see a more expansive Everton team than the one we've seen at Goodison Park? Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think such a such an important aspect of being able to get that point against Liverpool was down to how defensively organised Everton were. And, you know, we were all sat here yesterday and we were saying uh, how close Everton came to actually winning that game as well. And, you know, Everton just did have their chances. Maybe just were a little bit unlucky in goal on some, in front of goal on some occasions. Maybe the decision making was off on a couple of occasions as well. So, I, f- I find it hard to say that like, Everton should just ditch this d- defensive organisation and just go like all out attack against Norwich. Obviously, that 
shouldn't be the case. I think they should try and keep as much of that defensive structure as possible going into this game. Because let's face it, whereas we know that Norwich aren't as good a team as Liverpool, obviously, but they're fighting for their lives at the bottom of the table. They're going to be, you know, fighting for every single ball to try and uh, save themselves from relegation. And as yeah, Carlo says, yeah, yeah. it's going to be harder for Everton to get that motivation, you know, that same motivation that they had for the Merseyside derby. But they've got to try and find a way to do that somehow. You know, I think the away form in particular for Everton this season, again, has been pretty poor. But this seems like an opportunity. You know, no fans in the stadium at Carrow Road. Seems like a great opportunity for Everton to go on the road uh, and, you know, take take three points for once, which would be, uh, which could be really crucial. And, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to see many sort of changes in the way Everton played, to be honest, because as we said, Everton could have won uh, this derby at the weekend with the way that they played. All that, need, all that it needs is, you know, maybe a little bit better decision-making in front of goal, maybe maybe a bit more luck in front of goal. So, no, I, w- I wouldn't expect the style of play in particular to be changing all that much. Well, Car- Carlo did several times in the press conference, you know, confirm that it, certainly for him, the target is still a strong enough finish to, to maybe sneak into Europe. You know, we're, we're six points behind Sheffield United uh, in seventh. You know, we still don't know what's going to happen with Manchester City and the, their European ban. You know, we, we have a, a kind of mixed running. Would you be surprised to, to see Everton qualify for Europe? Do you think it's a realistic aim at this point? It's a realistic aim, and yes, I would be surprised. Uh, just looking at the fixture list, I think that there's still a little bit too much to do. Uh, I mean, we said, oh, it seems like a long, 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 long time ago, and it was a long, long time ago, but there was a little run of fixtures prior to the lockdown that we actually identified as key to Everton's European ambitions. Yeah. And that, that was Arsenal away, Chelsea away, Manchester United at home. And we needed to take points from a number of those to be still in with a shout. And we all know what happened. You know, OK, we were denied by a, you know, a VAR decision in one of them, but the other two, you know, we weren't. We just defended badly. And so to go back to what, you know, Adam said about, uh, you know, sort of changes and certainly defensively, defensive units benefit from continuity. I mean, that's the one part of the team that you don't want to see changing. You want the players there to get used to each other and to be playing and familiar with each other's game. So, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't you know, expect to see that change or the setup of how we defend. But it's what we do in possession a little bit further forward that I think needs to, uh, to change. And that's where the freshness needs to come in. I mean, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin are so key to what we do. But equally, they both put an awful lot into their performances. They both, you know, so produce an awful lot of running. And they are going to be leg-weary. And you run the risk then of injuries. You know, so if they're asked to do another 90 minutes so soon after playing on Sunday, you know, you run the risk then of being without them for a while. So there's a lot for uh, Carlo Ancelotti to, uh, to, you know, sort of tune into here. But to answer the question, I think, yeah, it's a possibility. And I, I get the impression, I get, I understand, you know, so why Carlo has to publicly say, yes, that's what we're aiming for. And that's our eventual target. But if I'm being brutally honest, I think we've left ourselves a little bit too much to do, to be honest. Even if we win and win well tomorrow, I still think some of the fixtures that are coming up look pretty tough and pretty unforgiving. And that might be a good thing as well next season. I know Carlo has said previously he loves the rhythm of, you know, so midweek matches but is our squad really strong enough to handle, you know, sort of games every three or four days? I mean, at the moment, it clearly isn't. So it would certainly need a lot of investment in the summer uh, to make it, you know, so up to Europa League competition standards. And then, of course, there's the financial implications, you know, so given the way the football club is as a result of the 
you know, sort of lockdown that we've, um, we've endured. So, yeah, an awful lot of elements to it to think about there. And Gav, do you, do you still though is it is it good? Is it positive to, to see an Everton manager like Carlo Ancelotti coming out in these press conferences? You know, he's certainly not scared to to give kind of lofty targets like that and put them out there in the public domain. And, and obviously, I get what Preno's saying that you know you're yeah. almost kind of too. And now he can't just sit there and say, "Oh yeah, we'd love to finish tenth. But you know, he, he's he's not scared to to back himself and and the team, is he? No, I I, I think. I think to me it's not the gap of six points. That's the problem. It's the fact that there's probably between us and seventh, isn't it? So yeah. not only will we look at making up six points, but the line on the four teams above us to also tank as well, not make whatever there's four or five teams above us. So uh, I don't see a realistic realistic uh, proposition really. Um I, I think that we need to get a new financially as much as anything else. Um, so I think that would uh, that would be take precedence. I'm just wondering though. He said today in the press conference about younger players, didn't he? And I'm just thinking if it if it if it comes clear after maybe the next two games that I'm not going to get into Europe, whether you may see some more you know, imaginative lineups in the last four or five games of the season. It's something we spoke about just before football resumed, and he's spoken today about uh, some of the younger players being saying with the squad. So um, you know, even if we're out the European places, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's today, you know, a dull end to the season. And Adam, coming coming back to you then, and, and looking ahead to to Norwich, you know, it's going to be different again. We've experienced a home game uh, at Goodison Park, and obviously, you know, Liverpool getting changed in the porter cabins. I think Carlo mentioned the home dressing room was in, you know, a different place, and now we've got to get used to kind of new settings on the road, do you, do you think that could be difficult or, or do you think it's something that the, the players and, and management will just be able to take in the stride? Uh, I think this is probably going to be easier to take in your stride because di- differences to your home routine are obviously going to be more of an effect because you play, what, 19 Premier League games at home every season. Uh, away matches, you, you, are, you are only playing in that game once every season. Uh, so I, th- I think this will just kind of fit into the away match routine you know they still have this really long trip to make to Norwich uh, they, they're still playing they're still playing in you know unfamiliar surroundings when they go to Carrow Road so I don't I don't think where they get changed or like how they make their way onto the pitch I don't think that's going to make all that much difference when you consider the amount that already goes into travelling to an away game and I think this is where the Everton try, need to try and uh, take advantage on, of, you know, some of the statistics that we've been seeing from the likes of Germany, for example, where uh, obviously away teams are having a much bigger advantage over home teams since uh, lockdown because, you know, obviously there's no home supporters to try and shout their teams on. So, you know, that's going to be a huge advantage to uh, to away teams. And I think that, that's got to be what Carlo Ancelotti's incentive is for this match. He's got to say to his players, look, you know, this is, this is just a standard away match for us. You know we've got the quality to go and beat Norwich here. Try and avenge that that uh, quite horrible defeat earlier in the season that we had at our place. Just go out there and show what you can do. And I think that's just that's just got to be the aim, really. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You're not expecting any kind of differences to to the approach here. You're fully expecting you know Norwich at bottom. We're, you know, expected to win, I'd say. 
Um, but without a crowd, do you think, you know, we have got the better squad, you, you, you would have to say, do you think this should be a, a routine Everton win? The crowd makes a massive difference. You can't, you know, sort of you know, hide away from that. And it was why we were, or well, I personally was so concerned, you know, going into the uh, the Goodison Derby match because of that little edge that I thought, you know, the crowd could give us and could also, you know, sort of have to play on the, the officials on the day. And uh, Carrow Road is not, you know, renowned for being um, one of English football's cauldrons, shall we say. Uh, but it can be a noisy place. You know, so I've been there in recent years and they generate a decent enough atmosphere, which, you know, will inspire their own players and will equally, you know, sort of affect match officials on the day. That's missing. Therefore, we've got to take advantage of it. You look at the two respective squads and, you know, Norwich City, with respect, you know, so have a championship squad. They've got two or three, you know, so decent players there. You know, the, you know, you wouldn't mind, you know, so having in your own squad. But all in all, you know, it, it's a pretty, you know, so threadbare lineup. Whereas we've got, you know, decent quality, you know, so running through ours in most areas. So we've got to take advantage of that. The only thing that concerns me, like I said earlier, is just the turnaround, the fact that we're playing this game so quickly uh, after the derby match. And again, it's a long trip. I know they'll probably fly down and they'll be, you know, so relaxed you know, as much as they possibly can do. But they haven't had a great deal of time to prepare for this. I mean, Carlo had the best part of uh, three months to prepare for the derby match and had his team <laughs> set up absolutely perfectly for it. And I know we'd have looked ahead to the Norwich game, but it doesn't give you the time scale on the training pitch to do the drills, to do the little, you know, so routines and to get yourself, you know, so ready to take advantage of their particular setup. So it concerns me a little bit. But no, in terms of quality, you know, so we should be far superior. They are bottom of the league for a reason. And uh, as long as we can show the right degree of intensity and, uh, and work rates, we should be okay. And in front of the nation as well, it's a BBC game, isn't it? So, you know, everybody's going to be watching it. So um, opportunity to, you know, sort of thrill the watching public. <laughs> you, agree, you agree with that, Gav? A far superior Everton should, should get the job done tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the one difference I think I expect to see from Sunday as well is that all of the two fullbacks who sat in deep on Sunday, I think uh, there's a role to play for them more offensively on Wednesday night. Which brings me to, we were talking about players being vulnerable and just wondering whether Seams has got two big games in them in less than 72 hours. Obviously, man of the match on Sunday. Um, I think we need our fullbacks to be up and down a lot more on Wednesday night. As you say, Pleno is probably going to be, you know, in the 80s maybe. Um, it'll be interesting to see if you pick Seamus and what, what, how Seamus copes with that, that, you know, that sort of new sort of tactical setup. I think on Wednesday in terms of us having to be a little bit more offensive. But it, all being well, and if the players that we um, have got plays their ability then, I don't expect any issues. I would expect us to emerge uh, victorious. And Adam, Carlo was speaking today as well, you know, saying he's spoken every day with Marcel Brands about players for the future. Uh, the staff spent time to watch players around the world and we have a clear idea for the market. So, you know, obviously there is a bit of uncertainty around what will happen in the summer. But, you know, Carlo did seem quite relaxed about the, the market being open till October. Is, is that positive for you, though, to know that even when all this has been going on in the background, you know, it does seem Everton have been working hard to, to clearly identify targets for, for those positions, you know, with the exit of Schneiderlin and, and you know, a centre-back and things like that, that we are probably going to have to strengthen in the summer? Mm. 
I think at this point it it, do, it does seem good, doesn't it? You know, to see to be fairly relaxed over the situation, especially when we've got so much uncertainty uh, for us, especially you know going into the uh, into the common transfer window. You just don't know <laughs> what it's going to be like in terms of incomings, outgoings. Uh, obviously, Schneiderlin getting him off the books early doors is going to be a big boost to us. You know, it's going to free up a lot of wages. Uh, we were already going to be looking for midfielder anyway so I don't think it particularly changes much in terms of incomings uh, for Schneiderlin but yeah I, I think it's really it's really good to see that you know conversations have been c- continue to be held between uh, Brands and Ancelotti and yeah as you say Ancelotti seems uh, fairly re- fairly relaxed that the, the window is going to be open until I think he said October the 5th so uh, I don't know whether he know, knows that little bit of him that little snippet of information but yeah, it, it, I think it's good that he's relaxed over the situation. I think what is interesting is the is his uh, his quotes about Leighton Baines. Uh, he didn't he didn't exactly seem uh, confident or like a hundred percent that Leighton Baines was going to sign his new deal. He said he'd been offered a deal, and then he said uh, that you know whatever decision Leighton makes will be for the uh, for the good of him and for the good of the club. So you know it it doesn't seem. Know nailed on that Leighton Baines is going to sign this new contract, which see, comes as a surprise to me. I just I just presumed it was going to be cut and dry and nailed on, but well, we're, we're, looks like we're going to have to wait and see on that. After we spoke so glowingly about it on, on the podcast a few weeks ago, would would it be a big blow, lads, to if if Leighton ultimately decided, you know what, uh, I want to go somewhere where I'll probably maybe see out my career with. As, as a first choice left back, whether that be in England or abroad, I think it'd be a, a, a big disappointment. Yeah, when we spoke, like I say, uh, not that long ago, what he brings to the football club, not just on the pitch, uh, but in terms of his influence around the training ground and in the dressing room. And uh, I mean, we don't know. We're speculating, aren't we? Just on something that you know. So Carlo has said at a press conference, maybe he just wants a bit longer to get the terms absolutely right, but. With with Baines, you're never quite sure. I mean, he's got so many other interests, you know, so in and around football. And uh, has he decided that, you know, so now is the time to bow out and go and do something completely different? Just speculating. Got absolutely, again, no insight at all into that. Uh, but the open-ended nature of what Carlo said just does make you fear a little bit. So, yeah, if he does uh, decide either to go somewhere else or do something completely different, it would leave the club uh, a little bit light and they'd be losing a very, very uh, senior figure in that dressing room. We've lost Phil Jagielka recently. I mean, obviously, that was uh, you know, a disappointment. Leighton Baines going again so soon after. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be concerned, but I'd be disappointed. Uh, I think the club would certainly uh, lack something and lose something if he did decide to go elsewhere. And Gav, also a pretty strong comment on the banner that was flown over the Manchester City Stadium last night, was it? No, and, and Carlo kind of says... Here Everton, we're giving this campaign, which is the Black Lives Matter campaign, all the support we can. It's really important for the future in the world and how we would like to live. You know, and he, he kind of touched on his experiences in Italy last season, but he, he seems genuinely passionate about the, the subject, Carlo Ancelotti, and it, he, he also spoke at the weekend to think about how he's been watching documentaries during lockdown to kind of educate himself about history and, and, and about the way the things have kind of reached this point and is that something you you admire from from carl uh, not, not necessarily admire something i would expect yeah as a manager of the football club um i think admiration probably has come second or third on the list i think um 
that's what you expect your leaders to do in these yeah. times, don't you? It's quite quite rightly called out today. I think uh, everybody, you know, was was appalled what was going on tonight. Um, and so I would expect to see that off off Paulo, and obviously he's had experiences. And, you know, we've had players on the squad who've had experiences. You know where you know, things have gone badly, and uh, in terms of being abused. So uh, I would expect uh, Carlo to say what he said today, and he's quite right to do so. I think what's quite terrifying, to be honest, about this whole situation. I mean, sat and watched it last night, and I thought, you know, Ben May spoke very, very well afterwards. As did Graham Souness, who uh, spoke as a sixty-something, you know, so a man who admits that he's turned a blind eye in the past uh, to racist comments that have been spoken at football clubs and not challenged them. But but for me, it was the reaction in a number of forums to that banner, you know, so flying across. People saying, well, you know, what is the problem? You know, so yeah. white lives matter as much as black lives matter. And that frightens me. You know, so really are people so narrow-minded out there that they don't see the differences. And unfortunately, too many people don't see the difference or don't want to see the difference. And so we have to show better education in this country. Uh, I, I saw a great tweet today that, you know, so tried to put it in, you know, so more, you know, so clear-minded terms for people. And they said, well, okay, you know, so if people on Merseyside can't quite see the differences here and why that would be considered defensive, think of Hillsborough. Why do we not say, well, why do we say justice for the 96? Why do we not say justice for everybody? And that sort of like, you know, sort of underlined it for me, you know, so, yeah. and, you know, underlined why, you know, Black Lives Matter campaign is called Black Lives Matter. And, you know, so, and why it's very different to, to White Lives Matter. And so many people just can't grasp that. And it, it worries me and concerns me. And it underlines once again that we do need to educate people much, much more in this country. We've got a problem. You know, so we definitely have a problem in this country. And um, it, it, it needs attention. And football can be used to try and educate people. And, you know, hopefully things like last night and the way in which last night was reacted to can do that. Yeah, I, th- I think kind of was right there. On a general point, we started the lockdown with football getting lots of criticism over lots of different things, didn't we? Mm. Um, you know, maybe fairly on some things, some fairly on others. But, you know, what we've seen, you know, like what Marcus Rashford's done and what other players have done on other issues and, and what's gone on a pitch about with the Clive's Matter campaign, I think it puts football in a good light and it shows that it can be used as a you know a positive influence. I'll be planning, as you say, some people choose to, choose to ignore it. Um, but yeah, it wasn't great last night, but Ben Lee was excellent, of course. We will move on to the final part of, of the podcast that we haven't been able to, well, I certainly haven't been able to do for a while. <laughs> we'll do predictions for, for the game tomorrow. Let's see what what we're all going for. I'll start off. I'll go for 3-1, Everton, Richarlison first goal, if anyone wants to wants to back that. Adam? Uh, as Prano will know, for my betting preview, I've also put Richarlison <laughs> first goal. Uh, I I think 2-0 I think we'll keep a clean sheet the, the defensive organisation against Liverpool really impressed me and I've got my fingers firmly crossed that we'll see something very similar against Norwich but this time we'll be able to uh, to take a couple of, ch- of the uh, chances that we create so yeah I'm going to go for a 2-0 As one who called the derby absolutely right for a change <laughs> <laughs> As a, a draw and a, you know, sort of very low scoring. I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Adam. I, I think 2-0. Uh, Everton are at a 9-4 to four shout to win the match to nil. 
which I, I think we can do. You know, so Norwich do have you know attacking ability in their squad, but I think we're capable of keeping them out. And uh, yeah, I fancy us to win the game, uh, to keep a clean sheet. And if we're going to be really ambitious and talk about first goal scorers, uh, I love that little flick from Dominic Calvert-Lewin at the weekend. That was so unlucky, you know, so not to result in a goal. Uh, I'm going to go with Dominic to restore that, you know, so rich vein of form he had just prior to the lockdown and get on the score sheet first. Gav, ever ever the optimist, what are you going to go for? 7 nil Norwich, something like that? <laughs> No, I'll have silence now, Sam, for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you response. Uh, I, think, I think we've only won. Only last 12 visits to Carrero, don't we haven't played to score a winning goal? Duncan uh, Ferguson. Duncan Ferguson, yeah. yeah so was, it that, was it that long ago, was it? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think Axley's had since he won the title there. I think that might be the only game we've won. Um, Having said that, though, remember the Roberto Martinez game? I was down there for that one. Oh, that yeah. was astonishing. I've never seen a more one-sided away game in our lives. We absolutely battered them, created chances galore, and drew 1-1. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> some, some, some Martinez had it up in, the, in 90 minutes that game, oh, didn't it? We'll go back to where Samson is for points. I'm with the lads. I, I, I see a different setup to... to uh, Sunday, to be honest with you, I want to see us play a little bit more on the front foot, get the air from the back forward a lot more, a little bit more creativity, keep the ball in the middle. And if we do that, I'll go with a 2 0 win as well. Uh, and if you want me to do first goal scorer, it's got to be DCL, hasn't it? Yep. <laughs> 3, three two nils then, I think we'd all. Uh... Well, yeah, Sam, come on, what, what, what did you go for? Have you said yours? 3-1, Richard. Right. Right. Okay, fine. I was waiting for your, you know, sort of really wildly uh, optimistic one. 3 one's pretty, pretty sensible, actually. When was the last time Everton kept back-to-back clean sheets? You're asking me? You're looking at me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are. Uh, I wouldn't know. Not off the top of my head. I'm sure they're still getting back into 40 stats after three months on, you know. <laughs> well, I, thought you, I thought you were reprising your Robert De Niro impersonations there. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. You talking to me? It's actually yeah. not. It's actually not that long ago. We kept nil-nil against Arsenal on the twenty-first of December, Dunk's last game, and then we beat Burnley one-nil a good yeah. some five days later. So not not as long ago as I'd have originally anticipated. Really, it's it's the first it's the first live league game on BBC since January nineteen eighty-eight, isn't it? 32 years ago. Bournemouth, Bournemouth, one, wasn't he? On yeah, like, BBC have had one already, haven't they? Yeah. Saturday night, yeah. Everton's first game. Oh, Everton's won. Oh, right. And what was that, Gav? Was it Nottingham Forest, I believe? Was that the game? 1-0. 1-0, Wayne Clark. And was that the game that Maurice Johnston missed because he'd fallen down the stairs and collided with that his... Was, that was four years later. That was, the, uh, <laughs> that was another live game against Forest, wasn't it? We played very well just, just a mad story. I just wanted to get it in there. <laughs> were you there? Were you two there with your, with your rattles? Was you pitch side? We were there, but I don't know about rattles. Come on, behave yourself. It wasn't that long ago. Venno <laughs> <laughs> and I were in the boys' pen. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Dear, dear, dear. Right. Well, we will be back later on this week to pick apart, hopefully, an Everton win. I would definitely take 2-0 as the lads are going for. Uh, tune in and send all your thoughts on the podcast and anything else Everton related to the Royal Blue Podcast 
on Facebook, and I'm sure you can find us. You can hunt us all down on Twitter. Thank you very much for joining, and we will see you soon. We have been the Royal Blue Podcast, and thanks to all Adam, Dave, and Gav for joining me. I'll see you soon. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.